0: Pull those belts tight, put on your helmet, and grab a gear. It's time for another high-speed episode of Race Chaser Media's Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, training for a better life. Let's throw the green and send it to the hosts in the studio.
1: Hello, and welcome to another Thursday edition of Motorsports Madness, which is brought to you by MyComputerCareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker with you as always, and the third chair at the round table has become somewhat of a hot potato here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Peter Strada is off doing graduate degree class type things. Noah Lewis has other obligations tonight. So Seth Eggert gets the nod from kicking the tires. And uh, it, it it's been kind of fun. We've we've tossed and turned this thing around and made it a little bit different and seth you're back for the first time in several weeks and it's a good thing too because we have a lot to talk about on this show
2: yeah i think the last time i was on had to be right before the coke 600 so i think it's almost exactly been a month at this point
1: in other words it's been too long uh, tom let's see the newswire was slightly less buzzy this week, but the, uh, the, the race wire wasn't. I don't remember the last time I lost hours of sleep because I had uh, racing every night of the week. But this is what happens when you get into the summer of money and we have high-paying World of Outlaws races, it seems like, every night in addition to NASCAR and most weeks IndyCar and all the other fun stuff that we talk about on this show.
3: Including the SRX series. Ah, And of course, we have Doug Coby tonight on the program. Doug uh, picked up the win at Stafford in the opening round of that SRX series and has gotten a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series ride for Bristol later on this year because of it. So uh, I talked to him and he'll be on to tell us all about all of that uh, in a little while.
1: How did you manage to bottle Doug Coby into one segment? We usually get him on here and that never works. (laughs)
3: <laughs> it was really, really hard. Let me tell you, because Doug likes to talk about it as much as any of us do. But yes. uh, we managed to do that. I
1: uh, that's called wizardry, right there, is what that is. We will talk about uh, Doug, Kobe, and the SRX, and uh, kind of the fun things that uh, that series is up to coming up in this show. We'll look back on the NASCAR weekend that was, and we will. Look ahead to this weekend's five races in three days at Pocono Raceway. All that plus fantasy and even more coming up on The Madness. Stick around. We'll be right back.
8: Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you.
4: Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Minicky is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions but whatever you do don't wait these jobs will go fast call tim at 302-827-2054 that's 302-827-2054 lewis meineke car care center rev up your career
1: hi i'm jesse love and you're listening to race chaser radio
0: now back to the show
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Seth Eggert with you on tonight's program, and I'm going to start by just uh, looking back at the NASCAR weekend and going, Tom, how is it that even when I have decent fantasy picks, I end up sucking in the points? I don't get it.
3: (laughs) Well... You may need my computer career to help you figure that one out because that might be some sort of IT-related formula there that you're just not uh, getting exactly right. But, uh, you know, the problem is, a lot of the problem is, that we're all picking the same drivers because it seems like the same guys are winning most every week these days.
1: (laughs) Well, at least for the last four weeks, that's been the case because, Seth, we are leaving Nashville, going to the Pocono Mountains... And Kyle Larson is still the winner, just like he was last week and the week before and Memorial Day weekend. It's been an entire month, and we can't get Kyle Larson out of victory lane. I don't know whether that's a good indictment on Kyle Larson or uh, an indictment on everybody else to step it into high gear and do something about it.
2: I actually think it might be more of a case of history repeating itself because Kyle Larson has the exact same number of top fives, Top tens, average finish, average start, and wins that Jeff Gordon had in nineteen ninety eight. At this point in that season,
1: that you spent all this time before the show doing that math?
2: <laughs> uh, no, Justin Shuler did all that math before the kicking podcast.
9: Okay, so you
1: che- so you cheated. Okay, fair enough. I'll give you that. But it is the kind of dominance, Tom, that we haven't seen in. Almost a quarter of a century, and I'd be lying if I said that Larson's season, as Seth mentioned, wasn't a bit Jeff Gordon-esque like Gordon was in 98 before his third championship because that was the year that the 24 team, it didn't matter what they did. They were just good everywhere, and that's what it feels like we've run into right now with this five car. They're just good Everywhere it doesn't matter whether it's a mile and a third, a mile and a half, or you know whatever it is right now. They have just been stepping on everybody's
3: throats, pretty much. It is interesting. I, you know, you look at uh, the fact that all of Hendrick Motorsports is running up in the top ten these days. It seems like with pretty, um, pretty much, you know, pretty good regularity, and yet it seems like none of them can compete with the five car and you know i don't think it's any one thing i mean everybody wants to anoint kyle as the greatest driver in you know a century or the modern era or and that may be true but uh, you know it takes more than just a great driver and right now that team as a whole is hitting on all cylinders they're not making mistakes And they're not beating themselves. And I think that's the difference right now. Uh, All the teams are sharing data. I mean, all of the teams are working as one, but it's just, man, that five car is just on fire right now. And I think it's going to be interesting, Seth, to see what happens when we get to Pocono, because again, this is a super speedway, pretty much two and a half mile tri oval or oval, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's a triangle. And so if Kyle can win on the triangle, he's won on short tracks. He's won on about everything there is to win this year, except the dirt track, which is kind of ironic. But if he wins at Pocono this weekend, boy, it may be a while before he loses again.
2: Well, that's also which race he wins at Pocono, because there are two races. And if I remember correctly, there has not been a driver to win five straight points-paying races In the modern era of the Cup Series.
1: That is correct. The last driver to win five or more in a row, I believe, was Richard Petty. Uh, That is pre-1972. Of course, 1972, when NASCAR standardized the schedule, uh, kind of marking the start of what we call today the modern era, quote, end quote. But uh, it's only been four straight since 1972. It's been done eight times, and Five times, Tom, the driver who won four straight, which is what Kyle Larson could do in points-paying races if he wins the Saturday Pocono race. Five times out of those eight that it's been done previous, the driver went on to win the championship. The last two times that's been done, Hendrick Motorsports drivers, Jeff Gordon, 98, Jimmy Johnson, 2007. I like those odds if I'm Kyle Larson.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's really been incredible to watch, honestly. I mean, it's always interesting because Rays fans are sort of fickle people, uh, right? Because, you know, you can only win but so much. And then eventually they start to hate you and start to boo you. Now, obviously, your fans will stay with you. But, um, you know, there aren't that many drivers that can get away with such craziness. Um, you know, and yet it it looks like we're going to find out how uh, they feel about Kyle Larson being dominant. Because, again, I just, you know, I, I do think his streak will end at Pocono. Um, because I think with two races, I mean, the odds are just terrifically high, Seth, that um, astronomically high that, that he's going to sweep. So I think he probably wins one and loses the other in whichever order that happens. But that doesn't change the fact that he still is just right now uh, on another orbit from about everybody else in the series, other than maybe his own two his own team cars.
2: And if he does sweep, because I just went back and looked real quick out of curiosity The only driver in the modern era, granted, wasn't in the Cup Series, in the modern era to win five races in a row was Ron Horday Jr. in the Truck Series in 2009. So if uh, Larson is able to do that, he would match essentially a 12-year-old record, granted, in the Truck Series, but it's a record that has stood, I think now, for about 50 years, give or take.
1: And let's, argue, let's also argue, by the way, and, and I know it's not 50 years, uh, but uh, one of those where, uh, where we look at this, Seth, and Hornaday's five straight in the truck series not nearly as impressive to me because I don't think even in 2009 the competition was quite as, uh, as stacked as what it is in the Cup Series by any means. Uh, I I think, Tom, if, and I know you say he's not going to, but if Larson were to sweep at Pocono this weekend and go to five in a row in points-paying races, it would be, I would argue, one of the most impressive things I've seen since I started covering the sport in uh, in 2013. I mean, and even, you know, going back to my days of watching NASCAR as a kid, I, I just... Five straight in the Cup Series with the level of competition and how many drivers can win on any given week is just almost unfathomable nowadays.
3: See, that's, I was going to a big picture, Jacob. I, I think five in a row today would be far more impressive than five in a row in any other era, only because of the level of competition and the number of cars that can win, not just drivers, but the number of cars that can win. You had you had any number of drivers, for example, in the Petty era that could win races. There was some of the greatest to ever sit in a cup car, but not all the cars were as equal as they are today. So, um, you know, I just... I think this is just borderline insane what's happened here. Now, with that being said, Jacob, you know, just as well as I do, that just like we saw Tony Stewart have a very mediocre start to the 2011 season, but then um, when it came to late season into the playoffs, he won – how many races at the end of the year and ended up winning the championship. We're seeing this rally and this big thing happen still at a point in the season where there's plenty of time for him to cool off just a little bit. And if somebody else gets hot, you know, this is still not a lock for Kyle Larson, even though right now we all make it sound like it is because he's just won, you know, three in a row. And I say four because all-star race counts.
1: No, I agree with that, and uh, I count the all-star race as well. He's been to victory lane now four straight weeks in a Cup Series car, which is a humongous accomplishment i don't care who you are and i I think right now the question is what are the hendrick cars doing that everybody else isn't and i think if anybody else could answer that question then maybe we wouldn't have seen kyle larson win four in a row and hendrick motorsports as a team win seven in a row as of now we're going to take a break we'll be back with more motorsports madness in a couple of minutes don't go anywhere
4: you own a performance car and you know how to drive but you want to learn real performance driving
8: It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message was brought to you by the U.S. Air Force.
0: Hey, this is Buddy Copoy and you're listening to Motorsports Madness. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness powered by mycomputercareer.edu training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Seth Eggert with you on tonight's program talking NASCAR as it sits right now. I will go around the table to Tom and then Seth. If there's anybody that's going to beat the Hendrick Motorsports gauntlet right now, who is it and why?
3: Well, my first thought was to say themselves, Um, and I think that really is the definitive answer, but if you're asking me to name other competitors, um, then right now I would have to say that you're probably still looking at the JGR contingent of Denny Hamlin. Um, Kyle Bush, specifically those two, and Martin Truex. I don't think Chris Bell's strong enough right now to win. Um, but again, being that it's Pocono, I'm also not going to discount a Joey Logano or Brad Keselowski or Ryan Blaney because all three of those guys have shown well there in the past and are capable of winning races at any moment. But as far as as a whole, I think right now um, – I mean, if you exclude Ross Chastain's abnormally good runs the last couple of weeks, which certainly I think put him in consideration of, you know, maybe he could squeak out a win at some point. I think the Hendrick Motorsports team's biggest challenge may be to continue to not beat themselves because we all know that all it takes is one uh, mistake on pit road or whatever, and you cost yourself a shot at a win. Seth?
2: To a certain point, I'm going to be the same as Tom, although I would say, if not themselves and if not another competitor, the only other thing that might be able to stop them is Mother Nature. But that being a quick aside, I honestly like what I've seen from uh, Chip Ganassi the past couple weeks. Uh, Granted, the 600, they both had issues. But if you take out the 600, both Chastain and... Kurt Busch have been strong. I don't know if it's an anomaly yet, or if maybe they have stumbled onto whatever Hendrick has found that has allowed Hendrick to dominate the last seven straight races. And since both Ganassi cars are Hendrick-powered, that might be a way for Ganassi to be able to sneak up and maybe wrestle a race win away from Larson, if not Hendrick overall.
1: All right, so I'll turn the question the other direction now. Who was the biggest surprise in your eyes from the last uh, cup race in Nashville? Seth?
2: Honestly, I'd have to say Ross Chastain. Again, uh, I'm not sure it's an anomaly yet, but I think after the doubleheader at Pocono and maybe Road America, We'll know for sure whether or not it's just that they had a good luck streak or if they have stumbled onto something. But Ross Chastain to be able to climb up to second, and granted, he ran out of time, and I don't think there was any catching Larson anyway. But uh, it, it, for him to run second and uh, run consistently in the top five, top ten as strong as he did, uh, that was a nice surprise for him.
3: Tom? Oh definitely Ross. I mean I don't think there's any question about it. I mean he's he he that was an extremely uh unexpected run that he had and you know again it isn't that we don't think Chip is capable of running up front with his cars. I mean they they run Hendrick Motors and you know, Chevy is working much better together these days, but, um, you know, we just hadn't seen it. And so, you know, the last couple of weeks he started to really improve and last week finishing second, like I said, you got to at least put him in the conversation now as, uh, you know, not necessarily a favorite, but certainly a consideration that if, if everything goes according to plan, you know, he could, he got to win. And, uh, You know, I think he's the best surprise. And I think we all believe Ross has the talent to run up front. And, you know, I hope this is not an anomaly. I'd like to see both of Chip's cars running up front uh, on a regular
1: basis, Jacob. I would, too. Now, I'm actually going to go a different direction because I started uh, reading into the little jumps in speed that CGR had. And I wasn't as surprised that Ross Chastain was able to run his way up through there. In Nashville, to me, the true surprise of that race was how well the 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. ran all day long. And I, I don't even think the finish was quite as good as the speed that he uh, had. I know it was a top 10, but I felt like that was a top five level car. For most of the day, and just got shuffled out uh, by some track position and, and you know some of the late strategy there, where he couldn't get uh, back up quite as far as what I thought. But to me, Seth, the uh, the pace that that JTG Doherty 47 has shown was not what I was expecting at all. And really, I've been disappointed that they haven't been able to replicate that with the 37 of Ryan Priest, because I feel like Stenhouse is showing that the cars are capable, but just whatever it is, they can't quite get both of those cars running well the same week it's like if one of them is running good the other one is floundering in the back and uh that's a little disappointing if you ask me
2: yeah i don't know if that's something setup wise or if maybe it's a uh, part of the driver crew chief communication that maybe they're not gelling very well or the communication between crew chiefs for that matter that being said it is uh, a promising sign to see the JTG cars running as well as they are. It, I don't remember the last time that they had one, let alone both cars running this well uh, this early in a season. Granted, I know we're about halfway in, but even now it's usually much later in the season that they're running this well.
1: So we are going to cross the uh, halfway threshold of the season in Pocono this weekend, races 18 and 19, Tom, and that'll put us on the downhill run towards the end of 2021 already. How weird does that feel to say? Uh, but we do only have nine races left before the playoffs start, and two of them are this weekend at Pocono. Name me a driver that has to come out of this uh, this weekend with a big points haul if they want to have a prayer.
3: Oh, gosh, there's a number of them. Um, I mean, I think, um, I guess the driver I'll pick is Matt Benedetto. I really feel like that team is in a situation where we know the Wood Brothers cars have run well at Pocono in the past when Blaney's been driving them. And, you know, at some point, I think you gotta, you gotta go from having enough speed to actually closing the deal. And I think the Benedetto is at a point where he's got a couple of races here that he really needs to show something in, and it's really the perfect spot for him to do it. So, um, but I, gosh, there's a number of cars that I feel like are in that same boat, Jacob. This is a really tough question, but I think the Benedetto is definitely one of them. Seth, do you agree?
2: The, the Benedetto is definitely one of them, and the one that I would actually gravitate towards is uh, Bubba Wallace. A, a, a lot I of see. problems with that team. They just have not been able to put an entire weekend together. Either they've run over debris, they've had an issue on pit road, they've gotten turned, they've gotten collected in a wreck. I mean, you name it, it's happened to them just about. And the only thing left for them is to be able to put an entire weekend together. Granted, they might not win, but to get a top five or a top ten in both races would be ecstatic for both the team and driver at this point.
1: So for me, I'm actually going to go a slightly different direction than uh, what you two did here because uh, I'm actually naming off a driver that I think needs a big points haul. Though he is in the playoffs at this point, and that is Chris Busher, who sits right on the cusp of playoff contention, though he is on the bubble. He's only 24 points right now, to the good and he is the first driver that would be bumped out if a driver below the cut line were to win before the start of the playoffs. And to me that is not a safe place at all. I think I think Busher is a, is a case where he's got to come out with a good points hole or points hall, excuse me, to uh, really give himself Seth a bit of a buffer above that cut line because if he can't get out of that 16th place on the playoff grid and a Kurt Busch or a Stenhouse, a De Benedetto, a Chastain, a Daniel Suarez, one of those drivers win all of a sudden he's out. And he's got a big way to climb to get in. He needs to give himself a buffer in the way to do that right now unless he wins a race is points.
2: And I'm not even sure that uh, just getting from 16th to 15th would be enough because with the number of road courses that are left, let alone Daytona, if two of them win, whether it's Bubba at Daytona and Suarez at one of the road courses or some other combination, then you're really throwing a monkey wrench into... Uh, Chris Buescher and others are on the edge of making the playoffs right now. Tom, it's essentially a it's almost a uh, frustrating cycle of am I getting enough stage points or should I go for the win?
3: You know, that's a great point. And this is why when people say that they don't like the stages and don't like the stage points, you know, my argument is, but you want to show, don't you? I mean, it to me, I think the strategy that comes from that choice of going for stage points or going for wins, Jacob, is part of what makes this era or, you know, current cup racing interesting. Um, you know, there there are, there are multiple ways here to keep yourself in the playoff hunt. Um, But I guess if you don't like the playoffs, then, you know, the stages aren't very good either.
1: (laughs) Well, I can't disagree with you there, although I'm with you. I do like the strategy that stage points uh, give to a race. And, you know, it's the age old question. Like Seth said, do you go for stage points or do you go for a race win? You know, they each can be a guarantee in their own unique way. But it's very hard to do both unless you have a very good race car, Tom.
3: Well, let's uh, look at a case study here. Kevin Harvick missed the playoffs last year by one point. So we could say, well, maybe he should have gone for a win somewhere along the way, but it sure seems like it would have been easier to get one or two more stage points, wouldn't it? Absolutely.
1: And uh, yeah, missing the championship four last year by one point like Harvick did. Not what you want. We are going to step aside. We're back with more Motorsports Madness after this.
7: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council.
1: Hi, this is Logan Seavey, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Seth Eggert still with you. If you're tuning in to hear Doug Kobe's uh, interview that Tom did after his SRX uh, Superstar Racing Experience win from Stafford a couple of weeks ago. Uh, That's coming up in the second half of our program. We'll also have some more discussion on SRX and kind of thoughts now that we've seen both a pavement race and a dirt race and kind of uh, where we're at going into week three at Eldora Speedway this weekend which will feature Cody Swanson and I'm actually really excited about uh, that so more SRX conversation coming up but uh, let's shift gears to Xfinity for a few minutes if we will and Seth the countdown is over he did it we can stop talking about it Kyle Busch has a hundred Xfinity wins now that means we're done right well wait not so fast
2: Yeah, he has just two more starts, uh, at least this year. And that's because they were already sold, which I completely understand him fulfilling that obligation. Uh, If he does win uh, the 101st win, uh, Jacob, I was talking to you earlier in the week, I I have a pretty good idea what I'm going to title an article. Uh, That's a little teaser. But still, uh, 100 wins in any series is just a mind-boggling stat. Uh, There's not many drivers who can claim a record like that. Yes, you have Richard Petty with 200 in the Cup Series and David Pearson with uh, just over 100. But after the two of them, you have to either start combining the series or looking maybe to the modifieds with Richie Evans and some of the Hall of Famers.
1: Indeed. I mean, Tom, you stop and think about what it takes to have 100 wins in one single series over the course of a career. And Seth is right. Mind-boggling, I don't think, is an exaggeration. I mean, that's 100 wins in, I think, 340 or so starts. I can look up the exact number in a minute. But the fact that Kyle Busch has been in victory lane over a 17-year period, basically one out of every three times he sits in an Xfinity car. Oh, and by the way, he he can only do it five times a season now is impressive to say the
3: very least. 360 starts. Seth beat me to it. So he wins once every 0.6 starts, if you kind of average that out. And uh, I know he's limited to the number of starts he can make now. But, you know, as much as it is an amazing accomplishment, I do think we need to more, you know, just clearly define here that for a good bit of those 100 wins that he's had. Um, You know, in fact, for almost all of them, he's been running for Joe Gibbs Racing, which is a cup-level operation that's competing in the Xfinity Series, among which there are only a couple of other cup-level operations (laughs) who are competing against him, and the rest are all Xfinity Series regulars, most of whom don't have nearly the budgets or resources that that team has. So, while I don't want to... um, D- diminish the fact that Kyle certainly is, you know, is a, one of the best ever to race in Xfinity. I mean, you can go back to Mark Martin in the Winn-Dixie car in those days when he was only running part-time, but literally skunking the field almost every time he got in the car to be able to, um, you know, to clearly understand that the level of competition in the Xfinity series and, and the level of resources that you're competing against for the most part is not nearly as high as it is in the Cup Series. And um, so, you know, I'm going to kind of be the, the Debbie Downer here and say, you know, it's a great accomplishment, but it should also be expected that someone of his talent and experience who is dropping down a level to compete against most drivers who don't have nearly the experience that he has and a field of cars about two-thirds of which don't have nearly the resources or the budget that he has um, is is a different accomplishment. Now, if he wins 100 cup races, that's amazing. I just think the 100 Xfinity is it's great, but I wouldn't call it amazing or I would call it expected.
1: Fair enough. It's a little bit different take on... The statistic now, uh, although still, you know, we, we talk about it, uh, it, it has its place. He's only the third driver in NASCAR history to win at least 100 races in a single national series. So, you know, it, it has its place, even if it uh, may be somewhat sure. expected. Although I will say this, you go back to uh, Saturday's race in Nashville. He had to work for that one. This is one of those where I, I did not feel bad that Kyle Busch, won that race, Tom, because he did not skunk the field. Justin Allgaier gave the 54 absolutely everything Kyle could handle, and I think, and then some at certain points down the stretch.
3: Well, again, I agree with that, but you're talking about one car, and, you know, Junior Motorsports is basically just about a cup-level Xfinity team as well. Um, the, The fact here is, is that, Again, I'm not trying to totally, you know, dissuade or or kind of uh, throw water on Kyle's accomplishment. A hundred wins in any national series is fantastic, but there are drivers at the short track level that have won hundreds of races in National Late Model Series and don't get nearly the recognition that Kyle Busch is getting for what what he did here in the Xfinity Series. I would think, Seth, that. Um, a, a bigger story would be if Kyle Busch, um, you know, could would have his own equipment or would be driving for you know a a a Bush uh, a, a an Xfinity Series team that wasn't associated with the Cup team and won 100 races. I would expect drivers and Joe Gibbs equipment to go out and win races in this series because it's as good as it gets. And there are only a couple of other, um, you know, teams in that series that can compete with Joe Gibbs equipment.
2: You actually went a little bit towards where I was going to go with this. Uh, he, although I'm not going to talk about the Xfinity series, so I'm actually going to take a look real quick at the truck series because that is his own equipment. And before he had his own equipment, he was driving for a truck-level operation, Billy Blue Motorsports, which was not associated with a cup team. So, and he had 61 wins in just over 150 starts. So that comes out to about one in every four, give or take. Um, Maybe one in every three. It's somewhere in, in the middle there. And... He, again, that's another place. I know the competition level isn't there uh, to a certain point, sometimes with teams and drivers, depending on which part of uh, which year we're talking about for the truck series. But, again, that's his own equipment and uh, a truck-level team. That is a little bit towards what you were arguing for in the Xfinity series that you would think would mean more if he did. In his own equipment or for a xfinity level team with no uh cup affiliation
3: but he still has the budget of most of the xfinity teams that he's competing against in xfinity for the truck series i mean you know it's uh, again in his talent this this to me is like saying well if lewis hamilton dropped down to formula two or formula three with mercedes and won 100 races that's an amazing accomplishment well but it's the same equipment and the same resources and the same you know budget compared to the rest of the competition so i'm going to be devil's advocate here i listen i think kyle bush is one of the greatest drivers ever to sit in a nascar cup series car okay ever not just in this era ever. And I've said for decades that uh, for years that he is the most polarizing driver since Dale Earnhardt. I think he's on Dale's level. I totally 100% think he is every bit the driver Dale Earnhardt was. Now, with that being said, him competing in Xfinity or trucks and winning a bunch of races, he's running against competition that for the most part, of course, there are exceptions, is not nearly on his level. So, you know, yes, the, the, the teams get a lot of credit for that, too. Because, Jacob, if, if those cars aren't prepared to win, they aren't going to win. And I'm just saying that I think people need to look at this realistically here. When Kyle Busch wins 50, 60, 70 cup races, that's a way bigger accomplishment than winning 100 races in one of the lower series.
1: Fair enough. No, I, I do agree with that. And he's closing in on 60 Cup Series wins, although that uh, that average yes. clip has, uh, has kind of slowed somewhat considering he only has one win in his last 50 or 55 Cup Series starts. I feel like once Kyle gets back to victory lane once or twice more in the Cup car that we're going to see that clip uh, increase back to... Uh, back to more of what we're used to. It's not like he's not uh, running out of the mix. He just hasn't gotten to victory lane, Seth. And, you know, he's talked about the lack of practice being a factor. Obviously, he's had a, a new crew chief that he's had to spend time adapting to. So it's just, it's all uh, it, it, it's all interconnected in a way. But I, f- I feel like uh, once that floodgate comes back open for, for Kyle Busch on the cup side, it's going to be, uh, you're going to see a lot of cup wins out of that 18 in a hurry.
2: And just another thought, uh, with no practice, I'm curious to see how Kyle and his crew chief do at tracks when they go back to the track the second time later this year, whether we're talking Richmond, whether we're talking Darlington, and some of the other tracks, because even though there's no practice, they have been there, so they at least have some notes that they can look back on and see how they did earlier in the year and how they can improve. Now, granted, we are talking about the last year for this Cup car, so we might have to re-rack and restack uh, next year, so to speak, with the next-gen car.
1: No, I agree with that, and I think that next-gen car, Tom, is going to be obviously a uh, a huge variable. Um, real quick, want to slip in a couple of thoughts on the uh, the Truck Series race? too, though, because uh, that's a case where uh, you look at Nashville, we were expecting, uh, I think we were all expecting John Hunter Nemechek to be a threat. Uh, John Hunter had got his qualifying time disallowed, had to start at the back, was never really a factor. Enter Ryan Priest, who had never run a truck race,
3: ever, and won the thing. That's a story right there um and you say well ryan's a cup racer well yeah but he hasn't won him cup i mean he's not you can't consider him a monkey elite. but you put him in a truck which he's never driven before granted he had a little bit of practice but it goes to show you that the, the type of team DGR is and the type of driver Ryan is, he goes out and wins that race. Um, you know, that's a remarkable accomplishment for Ryan. Um, and I expected him, would have expected him to be competitive, but I wouldn't necessarily have thought he'd go out and win in his first start. It just shows you what he's capable of in equipment. And, you know, I'm sure that didn't do anything to, uh, you know, hurt The people who may be looking at him for maybe a higher caliber riding cup at some point. Um, But yeah, I just I thought that was a good win and it was a good race. Um, He certainly didn't dominate it, but he was up front most of the day and had a really, really nice run. And now he's going to get another shot at Pocono.
1: Yeah, he is, and uh, I love this for Ryan. I love to see him get an opportunity in good equipment, Seth. we got just under a minute here, but you know, you want a driver to be able to show what they can do, and I feel like Ryan did that Friday night.
2: He definitely did, and he made history, too. He's now one of only five drivers that have won in their first career truck start. Ryan Newman was the most recent driver to do it in 2008. Casey Kane did it, Robert Presley did it, and Mexican Air technically did it, but it was also the first— truck race in nascar history
1: yes it was so uh that's kind of a he did it by default sort of moment Uh, but a great moment for uh ryan priest and really a great moment for david Dilland racing for dgr to show that they can still uh, put race winning trucks out on the racetrack and win against top competition maybe a good omen for their young drivers in haley deegan and tanner gray as well we're going to step aside take a commercial break when we return more madness coming up don't go anywhere
4: That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
10: You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette
0: I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
3: Welcome back to the Motorsports Madness program brought to you by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. And if you are looking for a career change, whether it's a first career change, a second career change, or, well, another career change, my computer career might be your answer. It is IT training, and you can be off and running in a brand new career and a better life in as little as four to six weeks training one to two days a week online. That's it. You don't have to go to a campus. You can do it all from the comforts of your own home. Here's how easy it is. Go to mycomputercareer.edu. Take the career evaluation test. If you decide to pursue a career in IT with My Computer Career's training, they have financial aid available, including the GI Bill for those who qualify. And after as little as four to six weeks of training one to two days, four to six months, I'm sorry, of training one to two days a week online, then you could be out in the field with the help of My Computer Careers staff, which will work with hundreds of employers to get you placed. So it is really as easy as this. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the career evaluation test, see if it fits, if you decide to go forward four to six months later, you could be working in a brand new career. MyComputerCareer.edu is not rocket science. It is not math and science. It is training for a better life. And we appreciate their support of our programming. Back to you, Jacob.
1: Gee, and, and, and I thought I was the one that was going to need to get rebooted tonight. I guess Tom's the one that uh, n- numbers were yep. swirling around exactly. in your head, whatever it was. we may We, we need to reboot you during this next break it's the
3: first time this year. It's not bad.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, we have still got a lot coming up on this program yet. We got some SRX conversation to get to IndyCar is off this week, but I'm curious to get the guys thoughts on, uh, some of what happened, uh, recently at Road America with, uh, the NTT IndyCar series. So we can talk a little bit about that coming up in the second half of our program. And, uh, you know, we've got fantasy ahead as well, so we'll take a break and be back with more Madness in a minute.
6: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Whew. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto
4: service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff, or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. That's 302 827 2054. Louis Meinecke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. <laughs>
0: Hi, this is Derek Kroos, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back
1: to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Seth Eggert still with you, and I will do an around the table uh, real quick as we start the second half of the show Unfortunately, we are to that point in the Truck Series calendar where, with only 22 races as opposed to 33 or 36 like Xfinity and Cup, we uh, have gotten to. We have one more race in the month of June, one race in the month of July, one race in the month of August, and then the playoffs. Uh, Seth, are you a fan of these month breaks in the Truck schedule, regardless of where they happen, or do you want to see a few more races to fill in these gaps?
2: Granted, they fixed the early part of the year where we had a race in Daytona, a race in Vegas, and then about a month and a half off. But they shifted that basically to the mid-season part of the year. Um, uh, Granted, I understand why, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. I'm sure I'm not the only one who doesn't like it. it. It's just one of those where... We are on such a good rhythm, and then all of a sudden, uh, the momentum's going to be dragged right out from under us. Uh, Tom. Tom, what do you think?
3: Well, I think the same as you. I don't know that I really want more truck races necessarily. Um, I mean, I I feel like that the truck series schedule is probably fine as it is, and given the situation with the number of teams who can even compete full-time with this schedule. I don't know that you'd want to add more races and more stress and more cost in that series. But what I would like to see is I would like to see a more sort of even-handed flow of schedule, Jacob, Um, whether that means, you know, three weeks on, a week off, two weeks on, a week off, or whatever, three, you know, however you make that happen, these gaps In the schedule, um, I feel like, and even, you know, the ARCA series has a similar issue. I feel like the gaps in the schedule make it uh, just harder to kind of, once you, you know, you get get three races, then you're off for two or three weeks. It's just, uh, I feel like we could do
1: better. No, I agree with all of that. I, I feel like we could do better. On that front, just one of those things that, unfortunately, with only 22 races spread out over that period, it's a tough way to do it. We're going to take another break here, and we'll be back with more Madness in a couple of minutes.
10: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
7: Hi, this is Chandler Smith, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Seth Eggert remaining with you on tonight's program. We're shifting gears to the open wheel side for a little bit. Tom, NTT IndyCar Series conversation. They're coming off racing at Road America, where... Team Penske still can't win, although it wasn't for Joseph Newgarden's lack of trying for the second race in a row. Gearbox issue on a late restart and welcome Alex Pelot to looking like he could be a champion in the IndyCar series before this season is done. None of us, me included, I, I don't think any of us believed in this kid from Spain when Dale Coyne hired him a year ago, to come into IndyCar, but boy, have I become a believer now that he's been with Chip Ganassi. This is a 24-year-old that is absolutely doing everything right and one of the most naturally gifted drivers. He and Pato Award both that I've seen come into IndyCar and immediately be successful in a long time.
3: I love it. Well, I love it too. And, you know, not only do I love seeing what Alex Pillow is doing, you think about Potter Award, you think about Rainus VK, you think about, you know, a lot of these other younger competitors. And I think what you're seeing here is a bit of a turning of the tide. You've got, you know, a, a team full of Penske cars. Now, again, as you say, Joseph Newgarden certainly had a great run, but for the most part, Penske is not the all-encompassing, all powerful bully that it's been over the last number of years. And for that matter, neither is Scott Dixon. This year has been a year where I think we've really seen uh, that the emergence of this young talent and more teams with better resources has allowed for IndyCar to become the most competitive series um, that IndyCar has been in a long, long time. And, you know, I just think that... Seeing an Alex Pulow do what he's doing is both refreshing, Jacob, and it's also really, really good for the series.
1: It absolutely is. And Seth, I think not just refreshing in the uh, in terms of a young driver, but in terms of a veteran driver who's come to another series and had success quickly. Uh, Romain Grosjean has uh, also had a ton of success here of late with uh, a team in. Dale Coyne Racing with Rick Ware that I don't know that we necessarily expected to be what they have turned into. It's truly been remarkable to see his jump to prominence in the IndyCar Series. A couple of top fives, a near win at the Indianapolis Road Course. So you've got a lot of new names, not just young kids who are kind of turning this series on its ear this year.
2: I almost feel like it's a little bit of the changing of the guard in IndyCar, similar to what NASCAR has been experiencing since about 2016, 2017, uh, except IndyCar maybe a few years later, uh, Pelot, granted, he ran up front throughout the race, and he had a little bit of help from uh, Joseph Newgarden's uh, uh, mechanical issues on the final laps, but... For Pelot, for Grosjean, for even Marcus Erickson to be running up front week in, week out, winning races. Uh, Paddle Award as well. Granted, Pado wasn't running, or Paddle was running last week. I'm getting a couple of names mixed up. But still, uh, you have this changing of the guard that, I was thinking reading it's VK. But uh, you have this changing of the guard. It's exciting to watch uh, all of these up-and-coming young drivers in IndyCar.
1: No, I agree with that. I, I and like Tom said, it's a great thing. It's uh you know, we talked about the same names for a long time and now we're really getting introduced to this new crop of both young and a little bit older uh stars who have really made this. Tom, you're right, the most competitive era of IndyCar that I have seen in quite some time. I mean it's truly, truly unexpected uh to see what we've seen this year. The cars are close, the drivers are close, the teams are close, the points were close up until uh, the whole Joseph Newgarden breaking bit. But, uh, you know, that's been the other storyline of the year, hasn't it? That because everything is so close and so many other guys are so good, Team Penske, which has been the gold standard for how many years in IndyCar racing, is not this year they have been shut out of victory lane through the first t- nine races
3: yeah and again like i said they're kind of used to being the bullies and and the dominant team and uh you know along with scott dixon and this year not so much like you said there are there are more competitive teams and think about this how many of the drivers for example with andretti autosport have a win So far this year, look at that group of drivers, uh, you know, Colton Herta. you know, all of those guys there, you know, that at some point, Seth, those guys are going to start to break out. You've got Graham Rahal, who's going to eventually get a win here. You would have to think, I mean, you know, there are a number of drivers who haven't won and yet these young kids are coming in. And, you know, just putting on a great show. This is a really exciting series right now.
2: Uh, I almost... Uh, dare I say that Alex Pillow almost seems Penske perfect with the way he's running right now. And granted, Pillow is hit with Ganassi, but it, it it's almost uh, astounding to see uh, Penske, which, like Jacob said, has been the gold standard, and both uh, Ed Carpenter Racing, um, uh, Arrow McLaren with Schmidt-Peterson, and Chip Ganassi basically swap roles with Penske uh, and be dominating the season. I When was the last time Penske was winless? Uh, the 90s?
1: Ah, oh, gosh. Uh, winless, I would have to look. I would think it would have to be sometime in the 90s. I'm not 100% sure, though, on that, Seth.
2: I think it, it might be 96, I want to say. Uh, I'll have to go back and look a little later. But still, it's just that Penske is not able to put a whole race together. I mean, we kind of said the same thing about uh, Bubble Walls over in NASCAR. Uh, it, it's surprising, to say the least.
1: No, it's very surprising, especially when you consider the— uh, the likes of Joseph Newgarden, who's been in contention, Tom. It's not like he's not been anywhere close. He's been running, you know, top two or three in the last two races and in position to win, and just, you know, whether it was getting passed late by Pato Award in Detroit or, you know, breaking, going up the hill on the last restart uh, with the gearbox issue at Road America, it's not like he's not been in position to seal the deal. It just unfortunately due to you know circumstances and bad luck hasn't happened and I know at this point if you're Joseph Newgarden you're 80 something points out more than a race out of the championship lead with only seven rounds to go he did not want to see the Toronto IndyCar round get canceled because uh, of the border and logistical issues due to uh, the COVID pandemic Uh, he wanted every race he could get to try and make up points now he's got one less race to do that and boy, unless Joseph can find victory lane, I'm just not convinced that a championship is in the cards for uh, the uh, Penske kid from Tennessee this year. I, I just don't know how he's going to make up that many points in only seven
3: races. Well, I I think uh, you're concerned with all of that. And, and again, you know, quite honestly, I think the fact that after Roger basically buys IndyCar and buys Indy, um, you know the fact that his team is not bullying everybody else this year and not winning a majority of the races is really really good for the series. It's probably not good for for Roger, but it's good for the series, and I think they'll get their their stuff straightened out sooner. Uh, Or later, but uh, right now, I think it's good to see some other teams that have uh, been able to come up and get some wins and some new names into the series and uh, some exciting young kids as well. So I really think, uh, you know, I think IndyCar is in good shape right now going down the stretch, but I do think that the title is still very much up for grabs. I'm not going to, you know, give it to Alex Polo just yet because again, yes, he's been very good. He's won a couple races, but this has been the season of sort of tides turning and new faces, uh, you know, coming up and and getting hot. So I still think we've got uh, a few races to go before we can start choosing a favorite for the championship absolutely
1: agree. We're going to step aside and we'll be back with more Motorsports Madness right after this.
7: Here's an important message from Rad and this station.
8: Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more, but the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it always choose a designated driver remember music lives and so should you
4: motorsports sales professionals The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it.
1: Hi, this is Emerson and You're listening to Motorsports Madness. Now back to the show.
3: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness presented by edu training for a better life as well as victory custom trailers. If you need a trailer for any reason not just for motorsports application if you need a trailer a hauler of any kind victory custom trailers is the place to go just go to victorycustomtrailers.com you can design your own custom trailer right from their website or you can give them a call and uh, they will get you hooked up with a used trailer if that's what you're looking for um and they have all kinds of trailers unlocked ready, so Victory Custom Trailers is your place to go for trailers of any type. I'm Tom Baker. Jacob Seelman is with me, along with Seth Eggert. And Seth from Kicking the Tires, Seth and I are going to talk SRX for a moment. Uh, and gosh, Seth, uh, you know, last week we were talking about Doug Kobe's surprise win at Stafford, uh, being the short track, uh, kind of home track guy, uh, goes out and wins. And he's going to be... Uh, You're going to hear from him in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, we talk about the second race at Knoxville, the first race for the series on dirt. And uh, here's a big surprise. Tony Stewart won, uh, led 43 of 50 laps. Haley Deegan, another uh, driver who's been on dirt quite often in her career, most of her career, really. Um, Haley ends up finishing second in her series debut. And Ernie Francis Jr. finishes third. This is a kid who grew up running carts and running uh, sports cars on road courses, some of the uh, most heralded road courses in all the land. And Ernie ends up finishing third in a dirt track race. Hello.
2: Yeah, Ernie was a nice surprise. Uh, during the broadcast, they had mentioned that he had gone and run a uh, dirt track uh, near his hometown. Uh, it was his first ever dirt race, uh, the And now it's a practice for SRX. And he ran the fastest lap of the race, uh, fast lap of hot laps, won the pole, and won that race. And they were joking that he was a natural at dirt track racing. And he he just seemed at home on the dirt in SRX at Knoxville. Uh, Granted, Paul Tracy ran well. Elio Castroneves ran well. Although Elio might need to understand a green-white checkered means... There's a green, a white, and a checkered flag. Not that they're going to throw the checkered flag on the restart.
3: <laughs> yeah, there is that. But you know what? He still ended up finishing P4. And I got to tell you, of all of the big-name drivers, uh, with the uh, you'd expect Tony Stewart to be competitive everywhere, for example. But of all the drivers that are not sort of stock car oriented, I think Helio, has been the most impressive so far um, of the series and finishing in the top five on a dirt track. He is a driver that I think just has a tremendous skill set. And, you know, even when we were talking IndyCar in the last segment and, and sort of the whole Team Penske situation this year, the fact that Elio won the 500 driving for a different team, I think, says a lot. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I just think he was he, he was very impressive on Saturday. And I and I think that, um, you know, honestly, Michael Waltrip has done a fairly decent job, too, so far. Um, and, you know, ended up in the top five. And, you know, he and Paul Tracy are not uh, exactly becoming best friends over this series, are they?
2: No, they're not. Uh, the two of them spun each other out at least once each, uh, whether it was in the heats or in the feature. And... They had some choice words for each other uh, later in the night, um, but it, it, it's an, it's a rivalry that I didn't see coming and very interesting, although I think another rivalry Paul Tracy might have is the fact that he apparently thinks he has to hit the wall on the front stretch uh, every lap on a dirt track.
3: Well, who was it that did it in the truck uh, a few years back at uh, Eldora? Who was that Austin? Who was it, Larson? Uh,
2: Larson, and he hit him so many times, he knocked the uh, rear clip out of alignment and ended his night.
3: Yeah, so Paul Tracy, we uh watched that video replay one too many times, but um, you know, look, I think that uh, by and large, Seth, I think that the series has had a successful first two races. I do like the way that they made the names bigger on the cars prior to Knoxville. Um, you know, I think they ought to just go to the Arca style uh, deal where the name is huge across the. Door the car i mean in this series nobody really cares what numbers on the car it's all about the names so you know i um i think seth that uh again they're listening to the fans they're putting on decent shows um gonna be interesting to see what the last four races bring yeah the only thing i feel like it's
2: missing i feel like it it needs maybe another two maybe three hours on track it granted uh, the, all the big names is fun. It's exciting, but it also feels uh, once, uh, two or three fall out, like Bill Elliott's had mechanical issues every week so far that the field is kind of empty and spread out very, very easily. Even for these short tracks, Jacob.
1: Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I, I think maybe you're right. Two or three more cars, 14 or maybe 15 would, uh, would be a good thing here, but I can't, uh, I can't say I'm, I'm really disappointed at all with the, uh, with, with the quality of racing that we've seen. I've particularly been impressed with it. I know I didn't get to see Stafford live, but I watched it back on, uh, on DVR and then did get to watch, uh, Knoxville live over the weekend, Tom. And, uh, you know, like you guys were talking, uh, some of the battles, your your Deegan and Stewart, Deegan versus Stewart, Paul Tracy versus Michael Waltrip as a rivalry. Um, you know, these are some things that you wouldn't have thought you'd have them on your motorsports bingo card maybe ever. But we're getting to see them in this series, which is a little bit different. It's really cool, and you know, I, I've enjoyed it. I think I've enjoyed seeing some of the personalities of these uh drivers that we didn't necessarily always get to see in their usual discipline so to speak some of them we did a la tony stewart obviously but uh it's been enjoyable two weeks in i think i've really you know it's one of those novel concept this is a little bit different i kind of like it sort of vibes
3: well yeah i mean and you know again i i don't want to uh, yeah, I try to be try to spin as much positivity as I can, but in all honesty, um, I think that you know again somebody like Bill Elliott, the man hasn't raced anything in a number of years. Willie T. Ribbs the same. Um, I mean, I, I'm not saying that you know they aren't great competitors or weren't great competitors, but I would like to see. Um, You know, more drivers currently competing, um, you know, in various series, get the nod in these cars, uh, you know, versus guys that have been retired for a while. I think uh, you could put a couple of more short trackers or specialists, Seth, into these cars and really spark up the interest for the local and regional fan even more.
2: That's one way, yes, and another thing that I would actually be interested in seeing, granted, uh, he didn't have that of a run in NASCAR, even though he's made some uh, sporadic appearances since then. I'd actually be curious to see, in a small field like this, what maybe a Travis Pastrana, a Brian Deegan, a Tanner Faust, or maybe maybe even Ron Caps, to see what they could do in SRX, just... Because you have such a dynamic of uh, and wide range of disciplines being represented already. Why not throw in another ringer of sorts or another specialist of sorts that might be out of their element in a uh, Fender stock car compared to what they normally run? That's
3: that interest. would be a yeah. ringer or it would be uh, um, it, it would be another outsider coming in but who's currently competing and you're right. I think the more current disciplines and current drivers that we could put in. I mean, imagine somebody like caps with his personality, or I mean, if we squeeze old John force into one of these there, Jacob, I mean, uh, you know,
1: I'm not sure we could get, well, I, I, let me rephrase that. I think it would be easy to get John force talked into doing this. I'm not convinced it would be uh, necessarily logistically feasible. Maybe at, at 72 Years, uh, years young for, for John Force to be slinging one of these fendered stock cars around. I, I, I think going in a straight line for three or four seconds is one thing, but uh, good, goodness, John, you know, John jokes sometimes They're gonna, we're going to have to pull him out of a race car. I, I don't know that we literally want to test that.
3: I'd love to see him try. I think it would be fun to watch just once. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just saying I think there are plenty of great drivers in a variety of series, Jacob, that, uh, haven't been, um, you know, that, that we could tap into here. I think, uh, some of these guys that have been retired a while, yeah, there's, they're popular and they were great in, in their years, but I just think there's, there's other guys we could choose. No, I agree.
1: And I think, uh, you know, going forward into the future, if you want to look at this, uh, Maybe, you know, if you look at this as the modern incarnation or the revival of IROC, if you will, you know, I'd be interested in seeing it maybe transition to a format in the future, Tom, like we used to have with IROC. You win a championship in your your discipline, you get an invitation to to go run SRX and find, you know, find a way to schedule some of these races in a way that it would be feasible and not take guys out of their series necessarily during a points battle during the season. You know, IROC used to, uh, used to build it in, Tom, we got about a minute here, um, you know, to where you, you run maybe on a Friday of, of a weekend where it made sense. And I'd love to see it get back to that in some way.
3: I'd really rather see a midweek Wednesday, Thursday primetime kind of deal, and I know CBS would probably be reluctant to do that, but I'm telling you, if they just tried it and it was promoted with the right group of drivers, it would be a huge primetime hit, and they would find that they would have a growing audience for more than six races.
1: Fair enough. No, I I totally agree with that. And uh, we're going to continue our SRX conversation on the other side of the break. Tom got a chance to catch up with the inaugural SRX winner, Doug Kobe. You'll hear that coming up on the other side of these words. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Ty Ankrum, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, and Seth Eggert still with you. Last segment, we were chatting about the SRX Superstar Racing Experience, and thoughts on that two weeks in. Now we're going to kind of... Uh, somewhat take a step back in time for a moment and go back and uh, hear conversation about the inaugural SRX race from two weekends ago at Stafford Motor Speedway. Tom got a chance to catch up with the winner of that race, six-time NASCAR Modified Champion Doug Kobe, and we're going to hear from Doug right now his thoughts on the SRX being invited to run, winning against some of the superstars, and a whole lot more. Here's Doug Kobe.
3: Six-time NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour Champion, Doug Kobe joins us on Motorsports Madness, presented by MyComputerCareer.edu, and uh, Doug, first of all, um, this has been quite a couple of weeks for you, hasn't it? Uh, you already had six modified titles, you were working on number seven, and then you got invited to be part of the Superstar Racing Experience, or SRX series, that uh Ray Evernham and Tony Stewart put together and you, you had the chance to race the opening race at Stafford Motor Speedway in uh, Connecticut, which is your home track, and you won against an all-star field of, gosh, uh, IndyCar uh, champions, NASCAR champions. Uh, uh, I mean, what was it like for you, first of all, to even get the, the phone call and be invited to compete in this series and then we're going to talk about what that's led to here in a little bit
9: yeah well first of all thanks for having me on uh, you know, the, the cool thing about srx um it's just given me an opportunity after winning that race to just talk about short track racing and talk about what i do with the modified tour and talk yeah. about stafford speedway and uh, talk about how difficult stafford is for you know even some of the best drivers in the world to try to come there and and try to beat somebody who has knowledge of the speedway. And I think it's a testament to everybody who races there weekly and who guys like me who grew up racing there and learned all the little ins and outs of the track to go out there and um, be able to to win the first SRX race. And, um, you know, it was an awesome experience. And, and Ray uh, certainly was the guy who spearheaded the effort to get the local guys involved in, in this new, new type of racing that he wanted to create. And he wanted something that was... Uh, different and exciting and highlighted the short tracks and gave a local guy like me an opportunity to race against you know some drivers that I never never really otherwise would have had a chance to so um it's a a, a great little thing that he's working on and, and not a little thing it's a big thing now and uh yeah I just went out there to represent the short trackers against everybody and uh did a good job I guess I saw it
3: uh, said somewhere uh, on social media here I don't know if it was yesterday or today but I saw I was reading something a quote or or, or maybe it was an article that um, where you talked about the fact that um, you kind of had an inkling earlier in the in in the race day that you could win this but to be able to go out and run against you know. Elio Castroneves, Tony Stewart, Marco Andretti, uh, Michael Waltrip. I mean, gosh, the list goes on here. Some of the best ever to sit in a race car. And you're competing against them to be able to go out and, and beat them. What was what was going through your mind um, in in the feature event in terms of your strategy? I mean, did it start to kind of just feel like you were running a modified at Stafford? Or, um, you know, were you kind of conscious of... of the fact that uh, you got a bunch of All-Stars out there, and I really need to focus here and try and get this win.
9: Uh, well, yes and no in terms of whether I was trying to run it like a modified race. Um, you know, I know that the tire were the Goodyear Bias Fly tires that the K&N Series had raced on prior to switching to the radials um, a couple of years back. And um, I drove a and n car at Thompson, and, it, you know, it, I don't want to say that the SRX car was similar, but, you know, it, it made me – pull out all the tricks in my bag, so to say, and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, try to manage the race. And I knew that I had to manage the tires and I had to manage a car that had a lot of horsepower uh, relative to a, a very hard tire. So from the drop of the green in the first heat race, you know, my biggest concern was sliding the tires up off the corner too okay. many times and not knowing what it might do to them. And that's kind of how I approached the modified race, too. So in that respect, yeah, a lot of similar thoughts went through my brain. Um, in terms of how to manage the race, and it's a 100-lap race at Stafford, and I've been a part of those before. So um, I know the best place to be at Stafford is out front with track position and controlling the race and controlling controlling the restarts and the pace of the race. So from the beginning, that was my plan, and luckily the plan kind of works. So, um, you know, and then as far as how I knew that I might have a shot at it, I mean, I was – I got in the car for practice and laid down a couple of good laps just running my normal line. And um, I, I knew that those guys weren't going to get a whole lot of practice time. And that certainly worked in my favor that they didn't get to go out there and run, you know, 500 laps of practice and yeah. change their cars around too much.
3: Now, I believe you had Mike Beam as your crew chief. Is that correct?
9: That is correct. By luck of the draw.
3: I was going <laughs> to say how fortuitous was that because um, for winning this race, one of the things that's come out of it, and and it wasn't a plan that if you'd won this would happen, but um, the what's come out of this is an opportunity to go and race um, one of the trucks that Mike Beam prepares at GMS Racing at Bristol uh, where you've run your modified a number of times, uh, later this year. Um, and so how did it come about that, uh, you and Mike discussed the opportunity to run the truck and, um, what are your thoughts going into that race? Obviously you've never run a truck before. How are you going to prepare for that opportunity?
9: Well, yeah. Like you said, Mike and I got paired up by a luck of the draw. He pulled my name out of a hat or whatever they did. And, uh, he was my, my chief for the day. Uh, as soon as he got my name, he came over and introduced himself. And, you know, I don't know. It was just one of those things where we just started talking setups right away. And we started talking about what we were going to be allowed to change and what we weren't going to be allowed to change and what we would like to change if we would be allowed to change things. And, um, from there, we kind of just came up with a plan to stay within the rules of making adjustments. And you know, I was offering some suggestions based on my knowledge of the track and what I typically like uh, out of a race car. And he uh, he was able to kind of take his experience uh, with some other adjustments, you know, air pressures and whatnot that would make a bigger difference than I, than maybe it would in a modified. Um, and uh, we just kind of applied it and used our heads to. In from the race community that worked good for me, and uh, the the truck opportunity never really came up through the day. Um, I may have made a joke about something in passing, like "Hey, if I win this," <laughs> 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 um, and of course, I, I make those kind of jokes to people all the time. So it's not like I was expecting anything to come from it. And and honestly, I don't I don't even remember if we did discuss it. But at the in victory lane, somebody made a comment, and and he about putting me in a truck and uh he said that he would do it and I said to him in victory lane I said you know uh I believe you I said that I'm going to hold you to it and I want to shake on it and he put his hand right out and we shook on it he said I'll make it happen wow and, uh, you know it was basically 24 hours later he told me he got the go-ahead from uh Maury Gallagher to go ahead and put me in the 24 truck for Bristol and uh yeah we've been texting and chatting after the knoxville you know but leading up to and after the knoxville race about the srx cars um i know that he tuned in to watch the modified race at riverhead last weekend so uh you know that was good a weird wait, racing's a, a weird industry weird business where yes it is you just meet somebody and you click and you have an interest in each other and you talk about your experiences and then sometimes it leads to, to good things and i think most people who've gotten any break in racing will tell you that that's mostly how they come about, is just random coincidence, chance, whatever you want to call it, Uh, and then, you know, just building relationships.
3: Well, uh, you certainly... Uh, are in a good position to go do this and I can't wait to see what you do at Bristol meanwhile you've got a modified uh, season to worry about still and you're still chasing the title even though uh, missing the race at Oswego definitely didn't help you but you've been farther behind than this I think so um, you you went and, and won at Riverhead uh, and now you're in a situation where you've got the truck to look forward to but how do you kind of um, prepare for that while you're staying focused on the modified as well, because you've got a, as we said, a little bit of a hole to dig out of. And, uh, but your team right now is pretty much on fire. So uh, if you can keep that momentum going, you should be able to uh, uh, get right back into the championship chase.
9: Yeah, I mean, the truck preparation is going to come over the next couple months, just talking to people and uh, talking to – I'm going to go down to the shop and, and meet some of the guys that work on the, the trucks and just chat with them about you know things that they've experienced with with inexperienced drivers really and then you know kind of lean on what i what i have for a skill set to you know hopefully keep the thing in one piece and learn the truck for the first 50 laps and then go race the last 150 laps um yeah and then the modified um yeah we've been uh we've been pretty good this year i I was a little nervous we were kind of so-so at martinsville to start the season and then Pretty much since then, I, I feel like we could have won every race that we've been in, and we won two of them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're just, uh, we're, we're finding some things with, uh, setup that we learned last year that we're just continuing to build on. And I've got a really good smart crew chief, Phil Moran, who is, uh, always trying to be better and, uh, trying new things that have been working with me. So, um, I don't know. It's interesting. We're, uh, it, this is a, a weird season for me because I'm, um, I'm talking about things, meaning, you know, winning at, at Riverhead and winning at an SRX race yeah. that I've never done before. Obviously. Running a truck. It's, it's kind of fun <laughs> and exciting to uh, to be chatting with people about it. And, and like I said, more talk about Modifieds and more talk about short track racing is, is always a good thing.
3: Yes, I agree 100%. Okay, we got about a minute left here. I want to give you a chance to uh, get the sponsors in and the thank yous. So who helped you make it all happen, my friend?
9: Yeah, and the modified. You know, Mayhew Tools and um, Steve Pickens, Picks Motorsports, Moduleski's Towing, uh, Reynolds Auto Wrecking, JRI Shocks, Ernest Performance, Willwood Brakes. Um, We got all sorts of product sponsors that I (laughs) I probably have to list 80 of them, so I probably can't (laughs) do that. But um, just all the guys on the crew, everybody who, you know, works to, to keep us running up front. And that's a really difficult thing to do, to run up front as long as we have as a group. And I've said it many times before that it takes, you know, tremendous amount of dedication from all the crew guys and taking their time off of work and from their families. You know, we just raced on Father's Day because yeah. uh, it got rained out at Riverhead Saturday, so they ran a Sunday on Father's Day. and You know, nobody complains about that, and that, that really helps uh, keeping everybody moving forward. So can't thank those guys enough for all they do. And uh, hopefully we'll get a couple more wins here before uh, the season's over.
3: Well, look forward to seeing that. We'll have to get you back on and chat some more here when we got more time to talk about the short track stuff. And uh, and and I hope that this creates some good awareness because you certainly uh, did yourself proud and short track racing proud uh, at, with the SRX race. Can't wait to see what you do in the truck at Bristol. You're going to be in great equipment and in good hands. And, uh, again, just look forward to uh, getting you back on, and we'll talk some more here uh as we get a little closer to your Bristol truck date.
9: Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm an old, an old guy, but I've got some tricks up my sleeve, and hopefully, can lean on my experience with the truck and uh, bring home a good finish.
3: Old guy with a lot of talent.
9: That's Doug
1: Kobe. All right, so Doug Kobe's not that old. I'm going to correct him on that front. But uh, as Tom said, I'm equally excited to get a chance to see what Doug Kobe can do in a truck. He's one of those that we've talked about in the past on this show of, you know, a driver who we feel like could go at a, in a national level field and be successful and has just never had the opportunity and now Doug Kobe finally getting the opportunity to uh, make something of it. We're going to step aside for our final commercial break white flag and fantasy when we come back here on Motorsports Madness.
4: driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444
5: Hi, this is Jonathan
0: Schaefer, and you're listening to Motorsport Madness. Now back to the show.
1: Final moments of Motorsport Madness. I'm going to make my portion of this very easy and very quick. Kyle Busch is in a truck race. Therefore, Kyle Busch is going to win the truck race. I'm going to be different in Xfinity and say Justin guy or Just Because. And then unlike you other two... I say Kyle Larson sweeps Pocono because I believe what
3: I see, Tom. Well, okay. So, (laughs) um, you know, I wish I could share your enthusiasm about Kyle Larson. but um, And generally, I do. The problem is that I think we've actually got, um, you know, a multitude of other drivers who are... Ready to win a race. So I'm going to pass this to Seth, let him pick, and then I'll come back and tell you who I pick.
2: Well, you may not have to do that because we have the same picks based on what Randy put in our group chat. Because for trucks, I'm picking Kyle Bush, Xfinity, I'm picking Ty Gibbs. For Saturday Cup, I'm picking Larson, and Sunday Cup, I'm picking Byron.
3: Okay, well, see, I've got a lot of those same picks. I pick Kyle Busch in the trucks. I pick Ty Gibbs in Xfinity. And in Cup 1, I'm picking Larson. Cup 2, I'm picking Byron. So, yeah, we are pretty close there. But I just, uh, I believe in Hendrick. I just think that sooner or later, somebody besides Kyle Larson is actually going to uh, win a race out of that stable again.
1: I do agree with that. And just like that, we're done here on Motorsports Madness. For Tom Baker, Seth Eggert, I'm Jacob Seelman. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks to do it all again Till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness powered by MyComputerCareer.edu. Training for a better life. You can be an IT professional in as little as four months. Visit MyComputerCareer.edu and take the free career evaluation test today. Motorsports Madness, a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsports content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.